Now, Beauty feared that she had caused his death. This story was written in 1740. She ran through the palace sobbing loudly. After searching everywhere, she recalled that she'd had a dream and ran to the garden towards the canal where she had seen him in her sleep. And there she found the poor beast stretched out unconscious. She thought that he was dead. Without concern for his horrifying looks, she threw herself on his body and felt his heart beating. So she fetched some water, threw it over him, and beast opened his eyes. You forgot your promise, beauty. The grief I felt on having lost you made me decide to eat no food and fast until I died. But I shall die content since I have the pleasure of seeing you one more time. No, my dear beast, you shall not die, said beauty. You will live and become my husband. I give you my hand and I swear that I belong only to you from this moment on, alas. I thought that I only felt friendship for you. But the torment I am feeling makes me realize that I cannot live without you, no matter how you look. Beauty had scarcely uttered these words when the castle radiated with light. Fireworks and music announced a feast. And these attractions did not hold her attention, though she returned her gaze, her dear beast, whose dangerous condition made her tremble. How great was her surprise when she discovered that the beast had disappeared and, a, and at her feet was a prince more handsome than Eros who thanked her for putting an end to this enchantment. And I want to say to you, ladies and gentlemen, you can change. Hear the word of the Lord. You can change completely. And everything that God wants to do in your life can happen. Jeremiah chapter 31 Verse 33 says this, the, this is the covenant, that's the word for agreement, that I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. If you know your prophets, and you could quickly go to Ezekiel 36 and verse 26, it reads like this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. You won't be the beast. I will remove from you the heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you. I will move you inside of you to follow my decrees, and I will make it so that you are careful 
to keep my laws. We have a suspicion about ourselves that we cannot fully follow God because we're either not dedicated enough or somehow we're flawed. It's true that our hearts are the very center of all things in our lives. And I want to spend a few moments today, and maybe my message today is actually five messages rolled into one. It won't be that long, though. But our heart is the center of all things. I want you to spend a few moments with you as a friend, as a pastor, to to talk about our hearts, to be a kind of heartfelt church. Our heart will set the direction of our lives. Our heart will, can be distracted by so many things. That inner being of us, that center of all our affections, can be so distracted. That's why Proverbs 4 verse 23 tells us, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from your heart. Everything you do comes from that internal inner center But for some of us, we believe that our heart, this navigating compass in our lives, that that place where we think things and feel things and and think about God and God ministers to us, that place, we we think, well, it's not going to be perfect until I get to heaven. And therefore, I'm not really bound to follow God that well. We've even read scriptures like Jeremiah 17 verse 9 that says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can cure it? Who can understand it? And somehow we don't trust ourselves to follow God and hear what he's saying to our hearts. But we forgot to read verse 10 of the same chapter and verse 14. Lord, the Lord searches the heart and examines the mind. The Lord knows what's on the heart. In fact, Jeremiah says, heal me and I will be healed. Save me and I will be saved. We may never be perfect. We may never get to that state, but God can do enough in our hearts so that we can follow him. He can do enough. He can change us enough. He can get to that inner part of us. And some of us may be struggling with the inside and we may think that we've reached a glass ceiling. But you know, you've stolen the heart of God. He loves you so much. In fact, Song of Songs, verse four, verse chapter four, verse nine says, you know, uh, God sings over to us, doesn't he? And says, you've stolen my heart. You've stolen his heart so that he can change yours. He really wants to move with you and work with you. And, And 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or liberty and we with unveiled faces as we contemplate the Lord and we reflect his glory we are transformed into his image in ever increasing glory which comes from the spirit you see we have to choose to live from a new heart sure the old nature will put up a good fight before it goes down it will and we can get distracted and disappointed by the things of our old self-orientation. 
And this is what Paul's describing in that strange chapter in Romans chapter 7. He, he says this, he says, For I know that the good itself does not dwell in me. That is my sinful nature, that, that selfish part of me. For I have the desire to do good, but I cannot carry it out. We, we all get like that sometimes, don't we? I mean, let me just put it in, in terms that you all will relate to. Chocolate, I don't need it, I don't need it. Oh, I'm just gonna have it. We all do that sometimes. Me and Kathy are chocoholics. You need to pray against that for us. But then Paul says, he's describing the struggle that we all go through. He says, but in my inner being, I delight in God's law. There's a, there's a part of me that's really switched on to God. And you have to choose to operate from the heart that God is changing. It will always be a choice. In fact, let me say to you that the answer lies in Romans 8 too, that it says, well, through Christ Jesus, the law, uh, the law of the Spirit who gave me life has set you free from the law of sin. You've just got to keep choosing. Paul said to the Galatians, he said, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires since we live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Here's the truth you can rely on. God will always keep on reaching out to you and giving you the choice to use the equipment that he gives you so that you can respond, so that you can know him. If you keep responding, if you keep responding to him reaching out to you, you will find him. In fact, Jeremiah says this, you will seek me and find me, and when you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found of you, declares the Lord. I will be found of you, declares the Lord. There is no one in this place whom you are so messed up or far away from God or have got so many things in your past that your heart can't return and respond to the touch of God. Every single one of us can be reached by him. The phoenix can rise from the ashes. Cinderella does rise from the kitchen and become the queen. The ugly duckling does become a beautiful swan. Pinocchio does become a real boy. The frog does become a prince. And in my case, I married Kathy. <laughs> Scrooge does become generous and become a good friend and a good person in the city. The cowardly lion does get his courage. The scarecrow does get the brains. The tin man does get a heart, and you do get your change. You can change. Amen? You can hear the heart of God. You can change. Our heart has a new position in God. In Christ, our inner fabric, the, the very inside of us, that secret place of you where nobody else knows except God, that is where God says, I change you. 
You can operate from there. That's what the Bible means when it means the heart. Jewish people, they never saw the heart as, as the heart as we know it, as the muscle. It was like their intestines. It was like their guts. Some of you still say, I've got a gut feeling. That's really a Hebrew idea of the inner you. That's the bit that God can really change. Can you imagine singing a love song? I love you from my intestines. That really wouldn't work, would it? But we have to keep pointing our heart, that inner self. We have to keep pointing our heart in the right direction. And that's what I want to perhaps talk about today. Because I want us to be a church with a heart, don't you? I want us to be a heart church. That we keep pointing our heart in the right direction. And that's what I mean by heart posture. Christ has already put your heart in a good position. He saved you. He's healing you. He's connecting with you. But we've got to cooperate with him and point our hearts and put the right posture of direction towards him. Four posture moves that I wonder if we could take. Let's develop, first of all, a hearing heart or a heart that hears and listens to what God is saying. Paul prayed over the Ephesians in chapter one, verse 17. He said this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. You know, God is speaking all of the time. Now, some people think that, well, he spoke in the Bible and he shut the book. And if we read the book, we can hear God's voice. And of course, that is true. But do you know that God is also speaking? He's not going to contradict the Bible. He's not going to do anything against that. But God is speaking all the time. Are you listening? We've got to develop this attitude where we want to hear. In fact, Proverbs says this, but whoever listens to me will live in safety and in ease without fear or harm. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge be, plen be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. And we get lots of that wisdom and download from the Bible where that protects us. In fact, uh, the writer to the book of Hebrews said like this, solid food is for the mature uh, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish from good and evil. You've got to flood your soul, that fleshy part and your heart part with the word of God and fill up your bank of wisdom. And as you do that, God is gonna drop revelation on you and your life and you'll be able to hear his voice. You know, hearing God's voice is always a challenge. When I hear something that I think is really unwise, I test it and test it again. I don't jump at the first thing. How about you? Are you into testing what you hear before I learn, child? Your flesh part, that selfish part of you, will always try and use your, can I do quotation marks, freedom, it will try and use your freedom so you can indulge in things that aren't healthy for you. And the enemy knows that you're trying to walk with God. So he's going to try and throw in distractions. Listen to me. Any word or suggestion that brings discouragement, condemnation, accusation, that's not from God. Let's just be clear about it. 
Now, discouragement, I don't, you know, discouragement is, is when there is no hope at the end of it and it's all about what you've done wrong. You see, confusion, that's not from God, nor any counsel that will lead you to reject what you already know is right. Any counsel that says, oh, forget what you've heard. No, reject it. Yes, of course, God needs to convict us of our sin. And God's voice will warn us of wrong movements in our soul. And we can sometimes be disappointed. But here's the difference between discouragement and discipline. Are you ready? Discouragement has no pathway out of it. It just leaves you there. Discipline says, no, don't go there, but here's a path of hope. And so don't listen to voices that just want to give discouragement. The voice of God is never condemning. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who live according to the law of the Spirit. Never harsh, never accusing. His conviction brings a desire for repentance. When, when, when God convicts you, he doesn't just discourage you. He gives you the desire so you can say, okay, Lord, yes, I want to move on in a different way. You see, the voice of God is difficult sometimes to distinguish, but it's never accusing you, discouraging you, confusing you. Actually, the Bible says godly sorrow brings repentance, leads to salvation, that leaves no regrets, but worldly sorrow brings death. Have you ever met people, they're sorry about their, their situation, but it's all about just staying there and not moving. You see, we've got to become a heart church where we, where we say to ourselves, we want to hear your voice, Lord, both personally and as a group together. I want to have a heart in our church, don't you? Keep listening. He's not stopped speaking. Second move that we can make, let's, let's take a stand and let's have a humble heart. We can have a hearing heart, but let's have a humble heart. And, and actually, having a humble heart means that you take your right standing before God and before other people, that you actually know what your position is. Listen to these words, 1 Peter 5, verses 5 through 7. It says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to, uh, yourselves to the elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and that that time he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. We get anxious about our standing, but here, real humility is you coming under the right authority. It's you saying, well, God, I am bringing myself under your authority that leads you away from fear and defeat. Now, I just feel like I should just minister to some of you. Some of you got some old authorities in your life that you need to break out of your soul. David was, was the younger brother 
Younger brothers of the world unite. I had two older brothers. Oh, man. Uh, Anyway, that's a pain in my life. I probably don't need to confess right now. David went down to the battle and heard Goliath saying, you know, his taunts to the army. And it made David mad. But actually, his older brother, when David started speaking about it, Eliab said to him, hey, what are you doing down here? You've only come to look at the battle. Your heart's wicked. And you, where have you left those few uh, sheep in the, in the wilderness? Isn't it funny how we put, put, they put down what you're doing? You know, they make your role really small. Have you ever noticed that? You know, you've left your little sheep in the wilderness. You've only come down to watch the battle. I know your heart's wicked. It read motives into you. And David said, can't I just speak? And then he said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine because your servant will go out and fight him. You can criticize me. I'm going to get into action. You see, for some of you, you've got to put behind some of those old voices that are speaking an authority over your life that is no longer relevant to you. You have to say no. I'm now under the authority. It's not that you don't have any authorities or you don't listen to anybody, but you've got some old Eliabs hanging around in your life. And you need to say, I'm sorry, your days are over. I'm serving the Lord. Amen? Come on, let's give him praise. Your days are over. I'm serving the Lord. Listen to the good counsel that leads you on. But let's break some of those old authorities that hold you captive. Humble heart. I want to ask you, can you allow a healed heart? Third move. The first move is, let's have a hearing heart. Let's listen. Second move is, let's have a humble heart where we know where our our authority lies. But thirdly, let's have a healed heart. How many of you know that God is a healer? I believe he's the healer. Uh, Psalm 147 verse 3 says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Jeremiah 17 verse 14 says, heal me, Lord, and I'll be healed. Save me, Lord, and I'll be saved. You could just say that today and God could come and minister to you deeply. Luke chapter 9, verse 11 says about Jesus, he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed all who needed him. Do you need healing today? You see, I I understand that if I said to you, if I came to you and said, you need a counselor, some of you would be saying, I'm all right, I don't need a counselor. Do you know that Jesus came and said, I'm going to send you a counselor who will be with you always? I just want to say to you that me and Kathy are in spiritual therapy all the days of our lives. I'm sorry that you didn't get a perfect pastor. I need healing. Who's with me? I need healing. I need the counselor to draw close to me. I need to resist the enemy that can often distract me. And he wants to keep me defeated and distracted. In fact, doesn't James say, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. You've got to come close to him. 
Now, I don't understand when healing works. I don't understand when it doesn't work. All I know is that God says, I'm a healer, and it's my privilege to keep asking. Now, I understand that what I do understand about healing, though, is it always involves cooperation. It involves that we cooperate with God and that we say, I am willing. And there are times when God instantly heals, there's times when God heals over time. But as far as heart healing is concerned, I've seen three areas that he particularly wants to heal. The first one is God particularly wants to heal some memories that you might have. Some things that, that, that sit in your mind and every time you look at them, there's pain there. And what I've learned is that what God does is he, when, he, when we look at our memories, that we have to understand that he was there when that thing happened. And he can help you make sense of it and recycle it into love, strength, and healing. I, I, I can tell you of a time uh, that when Kathy was in surgery and I was, I was kind of late and, and just felt a failure as a husband and, and burst into the operating room as... as um, uh, we uh, lost a son and, and, you know, and, and I was just feeling such a failure about it. But at that time, I remember God saying, you might not have been there, but I was there. And one of the ways that God's healed that memory is to let me know that he was there and that he understands that pain and he's helped me to put it back together. And I wonder if you've got some memories that you need to say, well, God, I, I don't really want to look at it. And God's going to say to you, I was there. I can walk you through it. I can walk you out of it. I can help you make sense of it now. It's not an excuse for what's happened. It shouldn't have ever happened to you, but I was there and I can possess it now and bring you out of it. See, the second thing that I... I've understood about healing is that some of us have made some agreements. We've agreed with some things about ourselves and about other people that are holding us down. And actually, the reason why God says, I make a new covenant with you. And every time we take communion, we celebrate a new covenant. The word covenant means agreement. And he's saying, you're under my agreement now. You're under my covenant now. There are things that you now need to disagree with, put behind you, because now you live in a state of grace. The third thing that I think God wants to heal in our hearts often is that he wants to heal those repeated behaviors that we do. Why is it that when much of the day comes on, I've just got to have that extra bag of peanuts? I don't need them. I just want them. I just want to want, I'm watching Manchester United lose again and I'm just eating. Sorry. For those of you on the internet who are Manchester United fans, we're sorry. But sometimes you just got to say, Lord, there are certain things that you keep doing that you know are not good for you, and you need to invite the Lord and say, can you break that cycle, Lord? Break it. Memories, agreements, and re repeated behaviors. If you begin to put these things in the Lord's hands now, it may not be instant, but he'll start clearing the way and giving you new perspective. 
You know, I live in a really leafy area. There's trees over the front of my house and, you know, I'm just sweeping up the leaves and getting them all in black bags. And then I go back the next day and all the leaves are there again. I say, Lord, what's going on? And the Lord's saying, well, it's just seasons. I invented them. But anyway, you know, so I'm just sweeping up and filling the bags. And in the end, I'm thinking, I need a gadget. Every man needs a gadget. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Women, you don't understand. We, it's not that we want gadgets. We need gadgets. I know that you can think of an easier way, but we need gadgets. Can I just lay that out there? Oh man, you're such a tough crowd. Some of the women are saying, you don't need gadgets. I don't know why you're applauding unless you're a, it's the men who are, come on men, we need gadgets. Anyway, I can't wait for Wednesday because I'm getting my latest gadget. I'm getting a leaf blower vacuum mulcher. So just three things. It's not just a leaf blower. Oh no. Have you seen those guys? They're blowing the leaves around in a pile and they put a pile there and then the wind comes and blows it all over the place again. I'm not getting that. Oh no, that's not good enough for me. My is going to blow it around, then it's going to suck it up, and then it's going to mulch it into bits, and then I'm going to put it in a bag and throw it away. Hey, listen. Some of you are blowing the leaves around in your life. You're never dealing with it. You're just blowing it around. You need to suck it up, mulch it, crush it, give it into the Lord's bag and throw it away. That's what needs to happen. And the Holy Spirit wants you to deal with things so that it's mulched, grinded, put away. I believe that's the type of freedom you can have. I want a healed heart. I want this church to have a healed heart. It's time to stop blowing the leaves around and start putting them away. It's time to stop moving the issues around in your life so that you concentrate on one then concentrate on another. It's time to put some things away. I really believe that's a word of the Lord for several people here. Last move. I believe that we need a hungry heart. We need a hearing heart. We, we, we need a heart that is humble. And we need a healed heart. But I think we've got to keep our hearts hungry. You see, a hungry heart is the ability to keep seeking, but, but, but from a position of rest. I, I, don't get me wrong, I'm desperate for God to move. I really am desperate for him to move. I, I, but it's not from a position of complacency, but it is from a position of rest. And some pastors preach, they preach that we've got to be desperate for God's move and it winds people up in such a way that they actually, they become unrestful. But Jesus said it this way, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. It, we've got to have the continual ability to press on, but be fulfilled where we are. You see, let me show you, where, where's, our, where's our singers? Um, come on, guys. Let me just give you a little illustration. And um, I just need you to see something. 
you may not be where you think you need to be. See, see, this is you now. And you may not be where you want to be. This may be, Hannah may represent the future of, of Marenike. And, but you're not where you were. And, and not that you're the bad past in any way. But you see, the way that I keep my heart hungry is I say to myself, well, God, I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I was. Amen? And some of you, are, you're kind of all about, oh, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be. Sounds like a Spice Girls song. You know, I want to be. You'll get it. You know, you, you, you're looking forward. Stay out of it, you. For those of you watching online, the drummer's naughty. But you see, isn't there, a, isn't there a place in the Old Testament where it's called Ebenezer? Thus far the Lord has helped us. And, and the way that you can stay hungry and yet still be fulfilled is that you say, thank God where I am. I may not be where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I was. And so I want to say to you today, please stand with me if you will. Your heart health matters. It matters. Our spiritual heart matters. We can bring vision. We can paint a few things. We can move around some things. That's all fine. But real progress is only made in our lives, in our church, when we deal with our hearts. When we bring the matters of our heart to God and say, begin to move here, Lord. You've already got a strong position in Christ. You, you're already wrapped up by His grace. It will move you more if now you will have a strong heart posture pointing in the right direction. Direction, Because here's the truth. This is something that you must really take on board. It's from the heart that everything else flows. If we're not a heart church and a church filled with the Holy Spirit in our heart, everything else flows from the heart. You as a person, us as a church, but here's the truth. If your heart is pointing in the wrong way, if your heart posture is wrong, you're going the wrong way. Everything else goes wrong. I started with a story. I'll end with a story. But this is for some of you. The spiritual application of it is. Have you no other daughters? This story was written in 1634. No, said the man, I've got no other daughters. There's a little stunted kitchen wench which my late wife left behind her, but she can't be the bride. Surely she can't be the bride. The king's son said that he was to send her up out of the kitchen. And his mother answered, oh no, she must be too dirty. She cannot show herself. 
but he absolutely insisted on it. And I want you to know that God absolutely insists that you present yourself before him today, no matter where you're at. He absolutely insisted on it and Cinderella had to be called. She first washed her hands and the face clean and then went and bowed down before the king's son who gave her a golden slipper. And she seated herself on a stool and drew out of her foot the heavy wooden shoe and put it into the slipper which fitted her like a glove. And God's got some gospel shoes for you that are gonna fit you like a glove. And when she rose up, the king's son looked at her in his face and recognized the beautiful maiden who had danced with him and cried. And this is the true bride. The stepmother and the two ugly sisters were horrified and they became pale with rage. And there will always be people in your life that when you start moving on with God, that they start opposing you and they're not with you in that. However... He took Cinderella on his horse and rode away with her. When I was growing up, there was a song that actually was part of my calling. And it said, heaven's perfect melody, the king of love has sent for you. I want to say to you today and anybody watching online and everybody in the house, the king of love has sent for you. He wants you to be with Him. You can follow Him. His heart is for you. And your heart can be changed. And you can be healed. You can hear. You can be humble. And you can stay hungry enough so that you can press on. And yet, God can still pour out His blessings on you. Somebody give the Lord praise in this house. Come on, let's really praise Him.
God, open the eyes of our hearts. Let's sing it over ourselves this morning. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, and I want to see you. We want to see you, God. I want to see you. Sing, open the to lay some things down. 